Hey guys, and welcome to The Messy Table. I'm Jen, and you're listening to episode number 11 with my good friend Cindy Beal. If you're new to this highly imperfect space, you should know that it was created with the intent of bringing some real life to the table, reminding ourselves of God's faithfulness, because let's be honest, we way too often forget, and using the individual stories of real women to encourage each other along this little big thing called life. At this table, we are for each other, and we speak simply because He's good, and we can't keep that to ourselves. All right, so you're in for a treat today. Cindy Beal is a follower of Jesus, a boy mom, pastor's wife, homeschooler, author, speaker, and a big-time encourager. She's especially passionate about marriages after she and her husband walked through the heartbreaking road of infidelity over 15 years ago. So in this episode, Cindy shares what it took to heal and rebuild their marriage to make it better than new. So whether you're married or not, whether you're in a marriage that could just use a tune-up or a complete renovation, I promise you'll be better off after hearing Cindy's words. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join us right now at The Messy Table. Cindy Beal, hi. How are you? Thank you so much for coming to chat with me today. For sure. I'm excited. Thank you for asking. I'm excited. I'm just excited for people to hear your wisdom. <laughs> That's what I'm pumped about. <laughs> well, I will hope it I hope it's there today. So we'll see. <laughs> it's always there, Cindy. Always. Yeah. So my voice is on the verge of giving up on me. I woke up this morning and I feel like I sound like Phoebe. <laughs> You remember her sexy flow? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Smelly cat. And she was so bad. She was so mad when it went away. Yeah, so funny. Yeah, she was trying, like, licking coffee cups, trying to get her germs back. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, for those unfortunate souls who don't already know the Cindy Beal, will you just give them a quick snapshot of who you are and what you're all about? Yeah. So I. You know, I'm a daughter of the King of Kings. I try to remember who I am in Christ first as a Christ follower. And um, But I am blessed to be married to Chris. And we are going to have our 25th anniversary next January, in January Woo-hoo. 2018. Crazy. So between us, we have three boys. They are 18, 15, and 13. So I live in boy world. There are very... There's a lot of thick skin in our house because you kind of got to have to have that when you um, have a house of testosterone. No kidding. So, um, and, of course, I grew up with brothers, so I'm, I'm a tomboy for sure, but I, I do like cute shoes and dresses, so there's that. <laughs> um, anyway, so I get, to, I get to be a pastor's wife, and, um, and honestly, I get to pastor people, so I'm not really all the time just their pastor's wife. I get to actually shepherd them and, and serve alongside my husband, who we're at Life Church and at the Oklahoma City campus, who he leads that campus, and then um, he also oversees five other of our campuses in the Oklahoma City metro area. So it's fun to be able to, to do things together. I'm definitely not necessarily on staff with him, but I do get to serve alongside him. And, <laughs> and you know, God called us into ministry together. Together, many, yeah. Yeah, together. So we were both called into this. And so, but, you know, my ministry has been to my sons for the better part of the last 18 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I've homeschooled them and, um, uh, my oldest just graduated and, um, 
and I've just got the younger one now. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of my joy um, to be with them, be their mom and be a, a glorified chauffeur. Basically, that's kind of what I'm doing these days <laughs> with the young ones. And then um, but I just love, love pouring into women, um, specifically women um, who are married to pastors and then also women who are uh, on our staff at church. Um, I just I just love to impact leaders and pour into those who are pouring out because I know that feeling of not necessarily having that in my life. But thankfully, God has brought that um, to fruition and and just allowed me to be filled up by him so that I could pour out to others. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of me in a snapshot. You do that very well. Well, thank you. So you have an adult son now. Is that weird? (laughs) It is. It's so weird because like... He comes to me and he's like, hey, I'm thinking about going on a weekend getaway to Colorado. And I'm like, okay, like, who are you going with? And he's like, just me. (laughs) So, you know, um, but he's quite an introvert. He loves alone time. So it's funny because I, I, you know, I can't tell him no. And of course, I wouldn't tell him no. But, you know, I have to just say, okay, this is real. This is like, okay, he's really doing this whole adult thing. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's fun because it's the funnest place with him. Like I would consider Chris and me as his spiritual advisors, basically. Um, I mean, I guess we're always going to be his parents, but we definitely don't parent him because he's an adult now. Kind of transitioned into a new season. Yeah. And he, and he's great. He's so fun and we just, we enjoy it. And, and I love it because, you know, there was a season where he thought we were stupid. And um, so some of your listeners might be in that place right now where they have teenagers who know everything. Well, just <laughs> wait, give it time. And so now he actually comes to us for advice and wisdom. So it's, it's, it's a real fun season with him. Well, I'm not exclusively a boy mom, but, you know, I have one of each. And Jack, he caught a fish in the pond behind our house. Um, it's actually our neighbor's pond, but we use it like it's ours. Nice. last week and brought it home and put it in my jacuzzi bathtub. I think I saw that picture. Yeah, I posted yeah. it because how can you not? How can you not? And that's just the <laughs> whether you have one boy or all boys, you you you've got to you've got to embrace that boy world because that's <laughs> they're just wired that way and just they will risk their entire lives for no good reason. No good reason <laughs> at all. So <laughs> Oh, so I have more of this coming is what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And it really doesn't end, honestly, you know, they just, you know, until that frontal lobe is developed. In fact, that's a little (laughs) joke I have with my kids when they act a certain way. I'm like, hey, I know what I'm talking about. My frontal lobe is fully developed. Yours (laughs) is not. So I'm going to use that. Yeah. Yeah, because they think they're indestructible and there's no consequences. And I'm like, um, you don't have a fully developed frontal lobe. I do. Listen to me. Yes. So I have the wisdom. I was thinking about, um, so we've been friends for a long time. And yeah. I was thinking about, though, we were already friends, but quite a few years ago, I don't even know how long, but we were at an all-staff event. I don't know if you remember this. You probably will once I say it. Um but we were at a staff and spouse event and we were in a certain session and for whatever reason I had these thoughts like, you know, sometimes when you're like, is God telling me something or is this just my own brain going on a bunny trail? So I had the thought like, 
Jen, you really, uh, this is me talking to myself <laughs> or, right. or God, you know, maybe talking to me. You need to be closer to Cindy Beal. Like you need to ask her to mentor you. You need to. So I had all these thoughts and then I immediately was like, God, she's busy. Like she has a million things going on. She has a ton of on her plate, as you just described. I don't need to do that. I'm not going to do that. And I, I could not let the thought go this whole session that we were sitting down and Anyway, and you were like, I think kind of towards the back of the room, and I couldn't let it go. So finally, I was just like, okay, God, fine. I'll just, I'll go talk to her afterwards. And we were already friends. It's not like that was weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And and I'll, you know, take this relationship to the next level. <laughs> right, right, right. I'll put myself out there. Yeah. So after it was over, I like darted across the room to get to you, and you were apparently in a hurry because you were basically running from me. Like, I could not get to you. And so you left, you're already gone, you're in the parking lot. And so I thought, well, that was dumb. Like, okay, that wasn't God, that was just me. And, um, you know, we finished saying bye to everyone. And Derek and I got in the car and I looked at my phone and I had a text from you that said, hey, this might sound crazy, but it was just on my heart that we should spend more time together. And I just wanted to let you know, I'd love to be a mentor for you or just a resource anytime. Let's get together, let's make it happen. And it was one of those moments in my life, and it was a little thing, but where I just felt like, God, you are real, and you yeah, are here. Yeah, and yeah, for sure. I'm not crazy, you know? No. And that session, I remember it vividly, um, because we were just sitting there, and I think the session might have been on influencing others, or something. <laughs> Something, whether it was Craig or I a guest think speaker, there was something. Yes, there was something in that message about mentoring. And you know, you and I had this. I mean, I just immediately enjoyed being with you the moment I first met you, and just enjoyed your company. And so we always and, had a connection. I, we did. We had a great connection, and still do. And so I think that's. And I just know the Lord put you in my heart, and I was just like, I'm just gonna, because it's it's weird to to kind of for someone like me to call someone and go, Hey, so I think I'm supposed to mentor <laughs> you. Um, that's really kind of weird. I've only done that. You're only the second person I d- I've done that with ever. And, well, I feel and so, then. well, and that was just, I couldn't get away from that, that, what do you call it? A feeling, a leading, whatever it was, a it was strong. Mm-hmm. A, yeah. Total prompting of the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And my only sadness through all for our relationship is that we, we live, you know, a hundred miles apart. So yes. I wish it was closer. So. I know, but I love that when we do get together, we can just pick up where we left yeah. off and it's just one of those friendships. So for sure. Well, you are an author of two books. That's a big deal. That's crazy, isn't it? It's awesome. I forget to talk about that sometimes. I know that sounds funny, but like people are like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a stay-at-home mom and a wife. And oh, and I've written two books. And then Chris that always been goes, published. And she's a published author. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that too. So yeah, I kind of forget sometimes. So I want to talk about both of these books. Um, okay. Especially your latest one. And some people already know your story, but a lot of people listening, they, they don't, and they don't know your right. story. And I know, yeah. it's, I know it's probably hard to summarize kind of what happened. Was this 15 years ago? Is that right? Yep. A little over 15 years, 15 years mm-hmm. ago. Um, but I want you to try to kind of give us the Cliff Notes version. Um, yep. But the two books that you've written are called Healing Your Marriage When Trust is Broken, and your latest is Rebuilding a Marriage Better Than New. Yeah. So, so give we, us the... For sure. 
give you the highlight reel yes. of everything. Yes. Well, believe it or not, I can do that pretty quickly because, okay. you know, I'm kind of used to telling it. And um, it's your story. it might shock. Yeah. And it might shock some of your listeners, but just know that um, when they hear me say it, God has brought me through so much so I can tell this without falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so we came to Oklahoma and um, back early, first of 2002 to be a part of Life Church. Life Church had two locations at the time, the OKC main campus and then the Edmond campus, which were actually called the East and the West campuses back in the <laughs> old days. And um, anyway, so we came on, um, my husband came on staff as the worship pastor at the Edmond campus, and I sung with him, you know, back up. And so six weeks on the job, he comes home one morning. We had literally just moved into our house because I was back in Tennessee selling a house. And anyway, he came home on Tuesday morning. It was February 19th, 2002, six weeks on the job, six weekends of leading worship at our new job. And he walked in the door and said, we need to talk. And he began to just, you know, vomit basically everything he um he had been doing in our lives for the last two and a half years. So we had been married for nine years at the time. So he basically told me he's um, been unfaithful to me many times, many different places, many different women, um, that he's an addiction to pornography, which is where all this stemmed from. Um, it was never an inappropriate office romance or anything. It was just straight from pornography that led him to chat rooms. And then the final blow was that one of the women, that he was with was pregnant and he's pretty sure he was a father. So my world crashed in just within seconds. So I was Mm -hmm. literally unpacking boxes in one moment. And about two minutes later, I was beside myself. I was in a pit of despair in shock, not knowing what to do. And, and so that was, um, that was what happened February of 2002, which has been over 15 years. And, um, I mean, there's, I wrote two books to tell you basically what's happened in that time frame because obviously I can't tell you on this podcast. So we'd have to um, do a whole series. From we the would have to do a year long series yes. of everything. And yeah. so basically, um, God has done um, more than you can imagine because that's the kind of God He is. He, he redeems and he buys back and he gives you back the years that have been wasted. And, and, and so, um, yeah, so it's, it's been a remarkable journey. God has healed our marriage and, and we're back at Life Church and here we are. Man, you did cover a lot really quick. <laughs> I know, I know. So first of all, obviously infidelity is biblical grounds for divorce, Right. But it's also an opportunity for grace and restoration. I know that you go into this in in your book, but just real quick, I want to touch on it. So did you immediately feel like, oh, I can forgive you? Or was it like, no way, I'm out? No, I was already going down the single mother path Mm because our young, our, our, we only had one son at the time and he was almost three. He was a week away from his third birthday. And so I... I just thought, okay, I'm going to have to go back to teaching school because I have a teaching certificate. And I thought, I'm going to have to go back and do that. And I'll move back to Texas where my family is. And I'll have to live with my mom until I get my feet. And, you know, I had already, even in that first day, gone down that path. And, and um, but, you know, I just couldn't get away from the fact that I pledged my life to, to God and to seeking Him. And, and so I finally just said, okay, God, 
Is this what I'm supposed to do? Mm-hmm. You know, and beg, beg God for, for a word from his word. You know, there was a lot of people around me whom I adored and respected from the church. I didn't know him well, but God had put them in our path and they were given wise counsel, but I still needed to hear from God because mm-hmm. everybody wanted me to stay because my husband was at, from, from the moment of confession was broken, was repentant, wanted to make a difference. He wanted freedom from this addiction. He wanted, he wanted, he was a pathological liar. So he wanted freedom and he was willing to do everything. And he told me, he said, I know you'll probably never be able to trust me again, but if you will allow me, I'll spend the rest of my life trying. Mm. And he's done that ever since, ever since. So, um, so I think that's a key element in your story because without him being broken and willing to humble himself and, I mean, none of, none of this would have been possible. Yeah. Um, Hey, if you hear any scratching, it's my dog (laughs) scratching or my mother's dog scratching on the door. How funny is that? It's a little annoying. So, um, but anyway, yeah. So basically, um, healing is possible without, without, um, a repentant person on the other end, because it has to be, because not everybody gets the story that I get, Mm -hmm. but it sure makes it a little bit easier when you've got someone totally willing and recognizes what they did. And, you know, there's a lot of people who don't get what I get. They, they have spouses who betrayed and, and they're all like, well, I wouldn't have done it if you would have been a better wife or you would have been a better husband, you know? So I know how blessed I am in that. So, but, you know, basically I just cried out to God, said, I need you to show me. And he did. And I have stood on his word ever since then that that he would make it new and he would make it better. And that honestly, this whole thing, now that I'm looking back, it's it was never about me. It was never about, you know, Cindy Beal. It was about there was redemption that needed to occur in a man's life. Mm-hmm. God chose me to be a part of it. It did break my heart, but God has become more to me than anything my husband could ever become. Mm-hmm. Like my husband laughs. He's like, I don't think Cindy really needs me. And I'm like, I do, but I really <laughs> need Jesus. I mean, like I have learned through all this that I adore my husband and I want to grow old with him, but yeah. he's not my everything. Jesus is because Jesus was there for me when nobody else was, you know, being faithful to me mm-hmm. or being true to me. So I love in your um, second book that you wrote that came out, did it come out last August? Yes. August, 2016. Yeah. First book came out August, 2011. So, so the, in the front, you say to my husband, Chris, you're the best representation of a strong, confident man who simultaneously walks in humility and brokenness. Thank you for yeah. allowing me to share your darkest hour with the world. And yeah, that's, that's big time. Um, it's, it's pretty true. Like most people who know Chris are there, they have such respect for him because he's a fantastic leader, but he is also one who, um, doesn't act like he's above sin either. He Mm -hmm. knows that one step off the path will lead to another and another. And before you know it, there's a big chasm between the right way and the wrong way. And so he's just very aware of his, uh, flesh. And, um, so yeah, he's, he's the best man in the world. (laughs) And that's all of us. We're all one decision away from being in your position. We are, we are. I was looking back through all my highlights and my whole book is like yellow because I've highlighted (laughs) so much. So one thing that you say is 
was it difficult? You're talking about after kind of everything you say, mm-hmm. was it difficult? And is it still heaven? Yes. It is so very challenging to deny the flesh when the flesh wants to lash back. It is mm-hmm. a daily choice to do the things that need to be done to have what we want to have, but you mm-hmm. can have it. You can step into it and you have to step through the pain and difficulty through the sacrifice and discomfort that will be present on this journey for yourself, for your marriage, loosen your grip of the old so that he can bring in the new. Mm. That's powerful. Wow. I just, that, <laughs> you, I blessed myself by hearing that. You wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Cause I wrote it like two years ago. Mm-hmm. So like I haven't really picked it up. I mean, I did read it when I got the book, but yeah. it's funny because I'm like, oh, yeah, I wrote that. How about that? That is true. That's good. That's good. Well, I think <laughs> so. it's interesting, you know, when you write something down, if it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, it, right. it doesn't matter if you penned it or not. If it's him inspiring you to write it, then I'll read something that I journaled a long time ago that will just blow me away. Yeah. And it's not because yeah. I wrote it. It's because it was from him. For sure. Yeah, Absolutely. So you're kind of an expert on rebuilding now. You guys had a run-in with a fire. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I sure am. I have. We have rebuilt a marriage, or God has, should I say, but we participated. Um, but yeah, about um, almost four years ago to date, as we're recording this podcast, it was June 30th, 2013. And um, we went to bed one night. We had had a great family night. And um, my kids were outside shooting fireworks because we live in Southeast Logan County. And when you live in Southeast Logan County, it's like fireworks city all the time. Do what you from want. June. Yeah. So my kids were out shooting fireworks and then they came in and, you know, we ended up all going to bed and that was that. Um, about an hour later, we I woke up like there was something, you know, I just heard. Actually, I woke up at first. And looked around because something jarred me, walked around the house. Nothing was out of place outside or anything. 30 minutes, I went back to bed. 30 minutes later, I heard, wake up. I looked up, I woke up, looked out the window, and there was an orange glow. And I got out of bed thinking, man, something's on fire. Looked out the window from my laundry room and saw flames shooting out of our attic vents of our house. Went into sheer panic, woke up Chris, went and got the boys, got outside, and that night for the next four hours, we watched our home burn, Hmm. and um, I mean, it did burn for entire four hours, but, you know, once the firefighters got there, because we live in the country, so there's no fire hydrants, so there was really, Hmm. if a house catches on fire out in the country without fire hydrants, then chances are it's it's done, and it was a total loss, and we lost everything but our lives and our Hmm. dog, and, you know, we... um, it was it was traumatic mm-hmm. because it's you know frightening to wake up and there, your house is on fire and you're trying to get out, but it um, God even redeemed that whole thing and and we were able to rebuild and um, on, on the same property and have a beautiful home now. But I'm telling you the parallels between the rebuilding of the house. And rebuilding a marriage are so important, mm-hmm. um, so key because, you, you know, it's you got to start over, and mm-hmm. that's really what we had to do in our marriage, just like we had to do with our house. Right. So you talk about the house fire in your book. In fact, I yeah. believe that's how you kind of. It's open the up. first chapter. Yeah, it's the first chapter. Yeah. And there are so many parallels to that, even the fact that you built 
rebuilt on the same property. Right. Kind of the same in your marriage, you know? Yeah. You're yeah. still married to the same guy, but same you completely guy. started over. Totally. And, and I think, well, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that your house is beautiful now. Oh, thank you. It is fun. We, we are very thankful to have it. But, um, you know, the thing about marriage, what ha- what we see a lot is couples, they, they're trying to rebuild on the same foundation that they, that they had, mm-hmm. you know, before mm-hmm. and foundation of lies and the way they relate, not even just, maybe you changed and you don't lie anymore, but just the way they related to one another. And, and mm-hmm. so everything, you know, just has to change. It has to be eradicated when you're trying to rebuild a marriage. You know, mm-hmm. I use the example in the book that, you know, if you, if you and your husband, you know, are now going, trying to rebuild your marriage, but you're still going out with your girlfriends who badmouth all their husbands, you're, you're trying to rebuild something, but you're keeping a lot of the same mm-hmm. practices. And that just, everything has to change. I mean, everything. And mm-hmm. you have to, and you have to kind of lean into each other and work on the marriage and kind of put everything else aside um, as you're working. And then you build these new habits. And um, it's just, it's a lot of work, but the reward is outstanding mm-hmm. if you will begin to th- do that new, um, the new building that you have to do. So it's easy, I guess now, 15 years later for you to look back and, and be like, oh yeah, that was devastating, but look where we are now. And of course, it, people listening who especially have never heard your story, there's so much there. And of course we can't cover it all, just like we said, but what did this journey look like behind the scenes, behind closed doors. I know you can't get into all of it, but what was it like to get this kind of painful yet redemptive story, your story, to go through it and then to get it down on paper? <laughs> well, you're, you're exactly right. There was so much behind the scenes. And, and you know, we, um, as we began the journey, it was just, I mean, a lot of work in the early days of, you know, talking things through when things we call them triggers when things would remind you of something in the past and you have to work through that pain and and you'll hear me say it a lot working through the pain because a lot of people don't want to work through the pain because Mm -hmm. it hurts and they want to try to go around the pain you hear people say well just get over it and I picture someone like trying to be a hurdler in track so like the hurdle is their pain and they're trying to get over it and, and in track, that's a good thing. You want to jump over the hurdle. But, you know, when we don't push through our pain and we try to get over it and we don't um, allow God to heal us, that pain is still going to be there. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to catch up with us. And so people will say, I'm just not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. And so that's where I come in and say, no, think about it, cry it out, and then say, God, how do you want to use this? Yes. And then you push through it. That, so that's what I did. So behind the scenes, whenever something would trigger me, I'd see something on TV or, or maybe a movie we were watching that glorified infidelity, which, you know, we may not have known it was going to be in there and we ended up watching it and it was hard. So how do you push through that pain? Mm-hmm. You deal with it. You push through it and you say, oh, God, I know you have a bigger purpose. I know that all things work together for your good. And you just, you begin this dialogue that to me is working through the pain yes. and it's hurt. It hurts. It hurts like crazy. So there was a lot of that going on. Real quick, there I want to stop a, you because yeah. you're talking about triggers and I had Mark to mention that. So I just want to jump in here and then we'll yeah. go back to what you're saying. But um, another quote from your book, you say, Unfortunately, the triggers that linger in the wake of a crisis 
or loss do not leave us with such happy thoughts. But even when they are uncomfortable, thoughts and emotions, triggers are a part of healing. And they come when we are headed towards healing, even if it doesn't feel better than the day before. Triggers allow us to grieve. And when we grieve, we heal. Some triggers are helpful. Some are counterproductive. We have to ask ourselves, which is the case for us in that moment? Will addressing this trigger with my spouse help help our healing or hinder it? And then on the next page, you say, um, if you are the one who was betrayed, there will come a day when you will win the battle with triggers. It will come and it will have no power over you. You will walk in peace and will rest in the promises that your heavenly father will never never leave you, never forsake you, and will never give up on you. He will use your life altering story according to his plan. Keep pressing on. And even when I read that, even if we're not talking about marriage, just thinking about triggers as far as a death or maybe a broken friendship mm-hmm. or really right. in any category, the fact any that, loss, yes, any, any loss. loss. Yeah. The fact that you said triggers allow us to grieve and when we grieve, we heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I look at those triggers or usually as I want to push them aside. I like, Oh, I'm so annoyed. This is coming up mm-hmm. and I don't want to think yeah. about it. And when I read that, it, really hit a nerve with me because in every category, I think you're totally right. You nailed it on the head. I just never thought of it that way. Yeah, because grief is necessary. I mean, the Bible speaks to it and God, cre- I believe God, I mean, it's from him. Mm-hmm. We, If we want to heal through our pain, we've got to be okay with grieving a loss. And that means, you know, there's all these different stages of grief. You know, some people get angry, some people get depressed and some people you know, do all, um, there's just different stages. And so you have to figure out how do I walk, walk through this grief mm-hmm. and how do I get to the place where I can eventually say, okay, God, I didn't like it. I don't want to ever do it again, but I trust you even in the midst of all this. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of where I had to get because grief is not fun. It is not that, I mean, I don't blame people who don't want to grieve. It's not enjoyable. We are people who want to have a good, happy life, and grief does not do that. But if we want to have an abundant life here on this earth, I'm not talking about possessions, but just the abundance of God's presence and His Holy Spirit in our lives, we must push through the things that are hard because that's, I believe that's where it comes from is um, pushing through and finding healing on the other side of grief. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, those are some of the things. And then just the other things of, um, you know, having to navigate the things in marriage that most couples who haven't been through betrayal won't. For example, um, there are things that people say, and because of what I've walked through, I will go, oh, and it makes me nervous that they say it. So, like, I've heard people over the years say, I trust my husband 100%. He would never do that to me. Mm-hmm. And when I hear that, I'm like, oh, oh, gosh, oh, I don't, you know, it makes me nervous because, first of all, I don't believe, and I can take it straight from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I don't believe we are supposed to trust in humans 100% mm-hmm. because it tells us to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Not, not, It doesn't say trust in your husband with all your heart or your mother or your father or your sibling. It says trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, do I believe we can trust humans? Sure, I believe we can when they are walking in the Spirit, uh, in the Holy Spirit. Now, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean they're perfect. It doesn't mean they would never let me down. So, like, I trust my husband again, but I don't think he's perfect. Mm-hmm. I trust my brother. I don't think he's perfect. I trust my mom. She's probably going to let me down. 
Right. It's just it's it's just recognizing. Sure, you can trust people, but recognizing, man, they're still humans, mm-hmm. and that's where I think we as humans have a hard time forgiving because we go, I just can't believe they would do that. Mm-hmm. And that's where I would say, look back at your own life with anything small. What is something you have done that you never thought you would do? Maybe it's yell at your kids. You thought growing up, I will never treat my kids that way. I will never say that to my kids. And then all of a sudden you're yelling at your kids. You're like, oh, I am my father (laughs) or whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? So Uh it's just, it's just seeing things through the lens that we're all flawed. Exactly. Just like we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, one step away Mm -hmm. leads to another step and it's a slippery slope. And that chasm becomes great between what the path we should be on, which is righteousness, which is choosing the right way or our way. And And that's not very slippery. And that's not to instill fear. Like, I don't want people leaving this like, oh, my, you know, my husband's going to have a fair. I'm going to have an affair. We're going to, you know, the whole world is going to hell in a basket, which, (laughs) you know, Um, but I think it's a key element as humans created by holy God to realize that just what Romans 3, 23 says that we um, have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I love in your book, when you talk about um, embracing mutual brokenness. And I think that, you know, in our, in our friendships with our kids as parents, with our marriages, really in any relationship with coworkers, even if we don't embrace that mutual brokenness, then like you said, we're always going to be disappointed. We are, because our standards, we're going to be holding people to the standard of God and I'm not God, that's for sure. And none of us are. And that's why grace and forgiveness is such a huge part of God's plan. Yeah. And I think about like you and Derek and your marriage. Um, I don't think for a minute, either of y'all, um, will ever be unfaithful to one another. I really don't. I know how you invest in your marriage. I know how much you, um, you talk and you're open and the th- but the thing I do know about both of y'all, because you're in ministry and you've seen it, you both know you could both do it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know that you're not above that sin. And so when you know that, like when you walk in and you realize, okay, I could, I could be, I could do what Chris Beale did. I've just got to make sure I'm on my guard. And so that right there is so good to have an awareness. So like, yeah, it is hard because I don't want people to hear me and say, oh, so you're saying that I'm going to cheat on my spouse or my husband's going to cheat on me or my wife. No, no, I'm really not. There's a lot of people who are faithful to each other and work hard and they have great, healthy, strong marriages. Mm -hmm. But it's just recognizing like if you are a couple, I will say this, if you are a couple and one of you thinks, I would never do that to my husband, or I would never do that to my wife, beware, the enemy will come after you faster than you can blink. I have seen it. Trust me, I have do, we, we have done nothing but marriage ministry for the better part of 15 years. Mm-hmm. And this is what we have seen. And I have friends who do the same kind of marriage ministry with, with p- p- couples with betrayal. This is what we see when they when a person says, I wouldn't do that. And they judge someone for what they've done, man, the enemy is coming after that person. I can promise you that. Yeah. Well, and, and like you mentioned, I mean, Derek and I say all the time, you know, you talked mm-hmm. about awareness. I mean, we just, Absolutely. we just put it on the table all the time and we're like, Hey, we are both human and I trust you and I love you and I'm going to be faithful to you my entire life. 
but yeah. we're going to be as smart as we can. And so we're going to we have are. accountability in our lives. We're going to have stuff on our computers. We're not going to, yeah. you know, You're gonna make wise invest choices. emotionally with someone who's not my oh. husband, that's a man. And so just all those things. And the reason why is because we know we are human we know that that human flesh, we, you know, we gravitate to making emotional connections with people. And that's really when people get caught or get stuck is it starts small. It never starts big. No one ever wakes up and says, man, I want to cheat on my, I'm going to cheat on my wife today and run yeah. our marriage and have to go through this misery for however long. Nobody yeah. says that nobody, but you know, right. somebody mm-hmm. might take one tiny step in that direction and then three yeah. tiny steps and then six tiny steps. And then all of a sudden. So yeah, I think we, just, we have to be aware. We have to just continually pray for our spouses, continually say, God, we need you. I know I'm susceptible to any temptation in this world, anything. Of course. And so, you know, we need your power. One of, absolutely. And one of the other things behind the scenes that Chris and I do that, you know, a lot of people may not, but like, um, I know I've been with the man for a quarter of a century. I know him. And so when I, when we see a woman or we're somewhere and if she's attractive or just something, I, I'll say, did you find her attractive? And he'll say, sometimes he'll say, yeah, I did. And I'll say, okay. And, and I don't take offense to it because here's why. I see other men who I find attractive. I'm not blind. Just because I'm married and committed to him and want to be with him forever doesn't mean I can't still see another good-looking man. (laughs) And sometimes they're just flat-out attractive, and you're like, oh, I'm going to turn my head. I'm going to bounce my eyes. (laughs) As Craig Rochelle says, I'm going to bounce my eyes. And so, I mean, I am a human being, too. And so for us to think that our spouse is the last person that we're going to think is attractive is we're fooling ourselves. But, but just because you think someone's attractive doesn't mean you forsake your vows and go, Oh, well, someone else has caught my eye. Hello. That's going to happen 50 times between now and my death. I'm going to see good looking men mm-hmm. and my husband's going to see good looking women, but we talk about it. Do you understand? So that's what I try to tell people. I'm like, I've heard time and again, well, I just, I'm not in love with my wife anymore. I found this other person. She caught my eye. I'm like, well, yeah, Mm -hmm. because she's good looking. Doesn't mean that you're going to go and make a life with her, but we tend to do that or some people do. So, um, yeah, that's something that I just, I want people to be aware of. Look, there's going to be a guy who crosses your path when you're at the mall next time and he's going to be really good looking and he might even smile at you. Just, Okay. That's just part of life. It's someone's attractive. I'm going to go home and be faithful to my spouse. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Amen. That I could preach on that all day long. So I get a little fired up about that kind of stuff. Right. And, and I even think I could go a step further and say, I feel like I hear people all the time um, dealing with whatever it is. And they say, well, I just felt drawn to that. Or mm-hmm. I was just, I was so attracted to it. You know, why, why would I have this inside of me? And it's like newsflash. Surely God put that there. Surely no, did. Right. You know, that's what people say. And I'm it's like, like um, no, we live no. in a broken world and, and we are all attracted to sin. And that doesn't mean it's right. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many great things in your latest book. Um, from living as a victor, not a victim, uh, doing hard things, um, just realizing that God wastes nothing, and um, even a chapter on even if He does not uh, heal right. your marriage. So, what are some of what's something that you would just really want someone to know? I think I want them to know that um, marriage takes work, mm-hmm. and 
if you are not investing in your marriage, it will fall apart. Mm-hmm. And what's funny to me is that people say, oh, but it's so hard. No, honestly, you could do one thing for your spouse every day. Say one nice thing to your spouse every day. Encourage your spouse with one thing every day. One one thing a day. Is that really that difficult? It's really not. And it's being a respecter of them and uplifting them and using our words to build up rather than tear down. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my husband's not perfect. He's very busy. There are days where he may not meet my needs, um, but I give him the benefit of the doubt. I know he's there. I know he's with me, wants to be with me. And so I just choose to do the right thing and not. I'm not going to tear him down. And so when he does build me up, I say, hey, thanks for encouraging me in that way. Thanks for saying that compliment to me. It really meant a lot. Instead of saying, you know what, I wish you would say nice two things to me. I don't really do that very often unless he just asks, like, hey, how can I be a better husband? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if you could give me more compliments or encourage me, then that might help. But, you know, for the most part... I I just I just I think if you make an investment just a little bit a day it will go a long way, a long way just yeah. a little bit a little bit a day a little dabble do ya <laughs> so so are there any other resources that you recommend to someone walking through a similar journey as you what are your favorites well I will say my friends Justin and Trisha Davis are pastors up in Indianapolis. And they have a ministry called Refine Us, and they have some of the best resources available. Not only do they put on um, like kind of seminar conferences kind of things for couples, um, they go and speak at churches. They they have written a book. Um, they they have other curriculum. So you can go to their website, refineus.org, and mm-hmm. um, they are excellent. They walk through the same thing and God has brought healing to their marriage. And so I think they're 12 years on their journey. So just a few years behind us, but I'm telling you great couple, but you know, honestly, there's so many other great people out there who have walked through this. And, um, sadly, a bunch of them have been in ministry because, you know, a lot of, and that's the hard thing is that pastors fall too. And, do you think it, here's my question. Do you think it happens more often or do you think it's more accented because like obviously Chris lost his job whenever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he went through this. Whereas if someone in the business world's having an affair, like they don't lose their job. It might just right. get swept under the rug. You right. know? Yeah, I definitely I mean, think so. It's more, much more, um, just food for thought. I, I mean, I don't think it's more, I don't think it's more prevalent with pastors. Right. I just think that it's mm-hmm. a lot of them talk about it because, at least for us, we knew that God wanted to use our story. And so there's, there are a lot of pastors who've walked through something like this and, and they know God wants to use their story. So they tell it. And, and so I think that's, that's fine, but you're right. There are people in the business world who don't lose their jobs and nothing really changes. And so they go to work, but like normal, but basically, um, it happens both in any, there's no Mm -hmm. respect. I think it just, Satan hates marriages. And he wants them to break up because broken marriages tend to result in children who have struggles. Um, not all. I mean, there's so many well-adjusted people who walked through divorce with their parents. But, you know, I think you would ask them, you know, the average person would say, yeah, it was 
it was challenging when my dad left because he left me. He, he said he left my mom, but he left me. So, you know, there's just a lot of different things in that world. I never was a child of divorced parents, but, um, but I've just had a lot of conversations with a lot of people. So, so speaking um, of kids, um, yeah. I know you guys are really open with your sons, with Noah and right. Seth. And what, how, do you, how do you walk through, how do you talk about this with them? Because well, you're both I, obviously you've met, you've allowed your story to be very yes. public for the purpose of glorifying God and so that other people going through it can find healing as well. So it's yes. not a private story; it's very public. Right. And so obviously, right. um, just what did, what did that look like? Well, I think the great thing for us is that they have known from the beginning. Like mm-hmm. Noah was three when everything came out, and so um, you know I mentioned when I told the story that um, one of the women was pregnant. And, right. and that child was born and he will be, he's almost 15 and he is my stepson, but he's my son. I don't call him my stepson, but you know, just so people know, but he is our middle son and he doesn't mm-hmm. live with us. You know, obviously he comes to visit, but he is a very important part of our lives. We even have conversations with him and, you know, I've talked to him before. I'm like, you know, I've written books. Yeah, I know you've written books. And I'm like, you know that I would never do anything to hurt you. I know. And he'll say, I know, Mama. And he calls me Mama, mm-hmm. Mama Cindy, but usually just shortens it. And and I'll say, there's nothing in the world I wouldn't do for you. And while things were difficult a long time ago, I love our life and I love you. And, and he's like, I know, Mama. I know. <laughs> and so. Um, You're a great mom. Well, he's, he, I mean, it's easy to be a mom to him. He is a fantastic kid. I mean, considering, you know, all the, the things, the circumstances surrounding, you know, his entrance into the world. But I'm telling you, that boy has a calling on his life, and I can't wait to see what God does and just slaps Satan in the face even more for a child that, you know, was was a heartbreak to me in the beginning. You know, like, it was hard to think mm-hmm. about that in those early days, but I can't imagine my life with him. I wouldn't go back and change anything because I, I would lose him and I don't ever want that mm. ever. So, but Man, you know, Cindy. as far as him, yeah, we talk about that with him as, you know, as, as much as we can with any questions, um, but our oldest and our youngest, you know, who are with us all the time and we, we just talk and, um, they ask questions when they need to. And we, we did everything age appropriately, yeah. you know, in those early days, they didn't understand. And we, sure. we would basically just told them, we said, you know, I know you don't understand, and I promise you, Mommy and Daddy will share with you when we think you're ready to handle things, but mm-hmm. just know that, and because, you know, you're trying to tell a five-year-old when he would say, I don't I don't understand why he's Daddy's son, but he's not your son, so you just age-appropriate, you have to be wise in that, and so, um, got, you know, and those conversations just came, and, and um, our boys love their brother and wouldn't trade anything. They love our life. Mm-hmm. They know what we've walked through. Um, it's hard sometimes with with families that we're friends with because we don't want to have their kids to have to grow up a little quicker sometimes when they learn about our story, mm-hmm. um, you know, because then they have to explain to their kids what yeah. happened. And, and that's, you know, that's just part of it, Jen. That's just part of walking through. Just walking through. through the messiness. It yeah. is. It's a messy, It's it's just the mess of it. But... But I believe when we are honest and we are use information age appropriately, our kids can handle it. Because here's the thing. They know. They're not dumb. Our kids are not dumb. Mm-mm. And so, yeah, we just we have a very open table, open um, life conversation with our kids. And I will tell you this. 
it also allows us to talk in a very healthy way about sex with our kids. A lot of parents are fearful of that topic with their kids. I'm just telling you, you you better talk to them Mm -hmm. because they're going to learn and they're going to hear about things and you want them to be able to talk to you so that you can give them a biblical, grounded, godly perspective about sex. Man, it's so beautiful though to hear you talk about it, Cindy. Like it almost (laughs) makes me just want to cry because I know it was so hard and I know it was so painful and I know it was awful and I know that you wish that that hadn't happened, but just it's such a picture of God's redemption and God's restoration. And that really is what it's all about. Like we are here on this earth and we do live in a fallen, broken world and there are some really hard things and there are some really painful things. And I wish that I could take all the bad stuff out, but we can't. And just the only thing we can choose is our response and your response inspires me (laughs) to have a better response. Well, I I appreciate that. uh, I uh. just, I just want to know when I hit my head on the pillow at the end of every day, I want to know that I've been faithful to my God. I have acted in ways that honor him, please him, glorify him and are good witness for him. And if that means I have to deny my flesh in huge ways to apologize to someone who really probably should be apologizing to me or Mm -hmm. to say something encouraging to someone when they probably don't deserve it. But I just have to remember, I don't really deserve good things either. It's just gifts from God. So that I want to be a person who is faithful to God first and then the other people in my life. Ah, man. You're, I'm not perfect. I don't do it well all we the time. Know I have you're to not. apologize. We a, know I have to apologize not. a lot. Ask my kids. I'm counting <laughs> like, I'm sorry I said that. All right. So just a few fun questions to kind of wrap yeah. up. Um, so what are you excited about this year in the coming months? What's going on? Well, um, I will say, you know, Chris and I, um, as I mentioned, we're coming up on our 25th anniversary and one of the things that we are doing a little bit more now is we're vis- we're traveling a little bit more. Mm, um, our, that's my love our, language. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. And um, we we didn't um, we can do that now. Our kids are older, um, but we didn't travel a lot when we were newly married. So we're actually just enjoying visiting different places in, in the United States. You know, so you know, just visiting. So I, I we actually kind of look forward to those trips for just enjoying time together and. I'm seeing country parts of the country. My young, I'm still homeschooling my youngest. Um, I'm excited about seeing um, some some new changes in, in him as he moves into eighth grade. And I mean, only have five years left. It's high school years after this, and so it's just kind of fun to see where it's going to take us and um, who else I'm going to allow to invest in his life is education, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I but I also just I love serving with Chris at the church. So I, I'm kind of in a place where I am just completely, I love my life. And even if nothing else is ever added to it, um, I don't know if there's going to be books in the future that I'll write. Um, I don't know what kind of speaking engagements I'll get, but I really do love my life where it is and investing in my church. I love life church. So Mm. it's my church. It's my home. Me too. Mine too. Yeah. Yeah, girl. (laughs) Uh, So do you have any pet peeves? Oh my gosh. I'm afraid I do. I'm afraid I do. My children and, um, I know that that wasn't a period after my children, but how you said it just made me laugh. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) My children are not my pet peeves. 
some of the things they do. So um, <clears throat> Seth is not as bad, but my oldest and my middle and um, the man who is their father tend to leave lights on mm. a lot. Chris isn't not as bad, but Seth, Noah and Jack, um, that is pet peeve. I will go and there will be every light in the room on the other side of the house. And I, but the, what's great is they're so fun to be around. So it's really hard to like hold that against them. But I'm like, dude, turn a light out. Just so it's a pet it peeve off. when people yeah. just turn a light out. You don't need the lights. So mm-hmm. there you go. That's one of them. But I, I'm afraid I have others, but I don't want to just sound like a, <laughs> a, a nitkin poop or something or whatever that word is. So. Nitkin poop. That's it. I don't want to sound like a, a grouchy, poop. <laughs> grouchy old lady. So. So what are you, what are some of your favorite books or podcasts or sermons that you like to listen to? Yeah, you know, I try to um, fill my mind and heart and spirit with things more of God, more than I do of the world. Um, Sometimes it's not easy because sometimes it's easier just to veg out on things that are, you Entertaining. Entertaining. But, um, you know, of course, I spend time in the Word in the morning. Um, I read books as much as I can. Um, I'm not a massive reader, but I do try to read, you know, a little bit, maybe a chapter a day of certain books. And um, But I listen to podcasts, and one of my favorite podcasts is actually a podcast called Life, Money, Hope by Chris Brown. And he works for Dave Ramsey. And so it's it really, this podcast stems from being a, a good steward of our finances, but it's it, it's kind of morphed into a good steward of our life. Um so I love that podcast. I also love Fearless Mom with Julie Richard. She is hilarious and insightful when when it comes to being a parent. Um, I don't think I've ever heard of that. Oh, uh, it's really good. She does two studies. One is in the fall. One's in the spring at her church in Austin, Texas. And so she um, she does that. Um, and so there's nothing new as as we're doing this podcast. Here in June, there's nothing new right this moment, but it will be. And mm-hmm. so she's great. Um, I also listen to Robert Morris of Gateway Church. Um, I listen to a variety. So like I listen to some podcasts to fire me up and some to take me deeper in the word and some to help me with this. And yeah. so I just try to do a variety, but um, I do like Robert Morris. Um, I listen to Ryan Dobson with Rebel Parenting, James Dobson's son. Oh, and yeah. uh yeah, I've been on his show a few times. We're good friends. But, yeah, so lots of different things. And um, try to listen to worship, just trying to fill my mind with things above, you know, and yeah. so listening to worship music. And sometimes, you know, I just sit and just say, God, what do you what do you want to say to me? Mm-hmm. Is there anything I need to hear from you? And um, I just kind of sit and listen. So I love it. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So if you were sitting across a messy table with someone right now, mm. what would you say to them? Oh, man, I would tell them, assuming I'm talking to, well, honestly, I could talk to a believer or non-believer, but just assuming that it's someone who already walks with Jesus or at least knows him and is just on this journey, I would just tell them, press into him, spend time in his word, get to know him, get to know his character, know God, because when we know him, we know his voice, or we can at least recognize it. And we know the more we know him, the more we know his ways and his plans, um, the more successful we'll be in our lives because we'll know when he's leading. We'll know when that path option comes and it's a little uh, sketchy and we're like, "Mm, 
don't really think that would line up with God's word. So um, for me, it would be dive into his word, dive into um, filling yourself with him, because then everything else does seem to fall into place. Not not perfectly. There's mm-hmm. still hardships in our lives. But as far as us walking in peace with him, uh, that you that's you can't pay for that. Mm-mm. You just, you can't People buy try that to, store. But, but they really do. Yeah. And so for me, I recognize hard times will come, but what allows me to push through those difficult times is that I, I know my Lord, I know him. And, and I know that despite any bad thing that'll happen, he's still going to use me. And, and honestly, if I could just give a little, uh, kind of a, not a, maybe it's a rebuke. Um, we're not here for ourselves. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is not about us. This is about him and, and taking as many people to heaven with us as possible. So when we keep that perspective um, that it's about his kingdom and it's about us being his vessels, that's that will bring freedom because then we can actually push through some difficult things and go, okay, this is all going to not matter one day. I'll be in eternity. I'll be with, I'll be in heaven and we're living here for just a short time, you know? Mm-hmm such a good reminder and we often forget just because we're distracted and we're busy and got life going on but you're right right. you're exactly right that's really the only thing that matters you know there's only two things that are eternal we talk about this a lot you know god and people the souls of mankind and that's it yep so well Cindy, thank you for sharing your story and your wisdom and really just a piece of yourself that's what you're doing you're offering all of yourself to the world so that people might know God's unconditional love. And that's a big deal. And Derek and I just absolutely love you and Chris. We're honored to call you guys friends and have a front row seat to watch what God can do through a little bit of humility Mm. and obedience. So, well, we love you guys as well. And so thank you for having me and, and, and visiting with me. And I, I feel very special and honored that you would do that. Thanks also to anyone who popped in to listen. Whether you were driving or working out or folding laundry or on your lunch break, we are so, so honored that you joined us. And I wish I could see you face to face, but for now, this will have to do. And guess what? I have one of Cindy's latest books to give away, Rebuilding Your Marriage Better Than New. And as I said earlier, this book is not exclusively for those who've walked through infidelity. Your marriage might just need a tune-up. Or maybe you're not married, but you want to start preparing for a godly marriage now. Or maybe your marriage really is in desperate need of a complete renovation. I promise you will learn from this book. I learned from this book. And if you want a shot at a free copy, simply share this episode on social media. Not only could you win a great book, but you're also helping spread this powerful message to someone who could really use it. And if you're looking for another great resource, our church and my pastor recently finished a phenomenal series called The Vow. You can find a link to that as well as other resources in the conversation notes on my blog at gingel.com. Cindy's books are also available at Barnes & Noble, Mardell. Really the easiest is Amazon, let's be honest. Get one for yourself and an extra for a friend. And guys, this has been such an insightful conversation. I hope it blessed you just as much as it did me. There is something powerful about gathering your people around a messy table. So find a way to do that this week. And above all, remember that God loves you and He is at work even in the mess.